We Are One Body Audio Theater presents Electron Jones and the Mysterious Message, written by Joe Potts. Clara Bartholomew sat on the edge of the red divan in Electron Jones's 42nd floor penthouse. She stared out the large window overlooking Tesla Town. Her slender frame trembled as she watched a levitt train course through the city. Turning at last from the window, she looked hesitantly at Electron, then at October Hughes, then at Detective Lieutenant Doyle. When she finally spoke, she seemed to be addressing the ornate rug. I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Jones, but I don't know who else to turn to. Lieutenant Doyle kindly brought me to see you. you. You see, he told me that you sometimes assist him in difficult cases. Yes, we assist Lieutenant Doyle at times. Then please, can't you help me? I have nowhere to turn. Of course we'll help you. Indeed. How could we turn away someone in such distress? Lieutenant, what type of aid have you been able to give to Miss Bartholomew in your official capacity? Well, we've investigated her apartment each time she contacted us. However, there was never any evidence of a crime. No break-in, nothing missing, and she certainly wasn't harmed in any way. So as you know, there's very little I can do without being accused by my superiors of wasting police time. They said they'd send an occasional patrolman around to check on me, but Mr. Jones, I'm so frightened. I thought you might be able to solve her dilemma. I've done all I officially can, but bless my badge, it pains me to see Miss Bartholomew in such a state. I was hoping you could assist her and ease her mind. Yes, of course. You do occasionally astonish me, Doyle, a detective with a kind heart. Now, Miss Bartholomew, you said someone has left notes on your nightstand as you slept. Yes, three times. Three times, Mr. Jones, in one month. But, as Lieutenant Doyle said, as far as the police could determine, no one has entered my apartment except me. And the complex itself, the Wellington Arms, has a locked entrance with a guard on duty, who swears to never letting any stranger up unless they have the permission of one of the residents. That would be so upsetting. I'm wondering, have you ever given a key to someone else? A relative, perhaps, or a close friend? No, no one. Although... Please, Miss Bartholomew, the details. We need them all. Leave out no feature, however trivial you may perceive it to be. Well, there is Hector. Hector? We were engaged, but I broke it off. He wasn't too happy about it, you see. He told me he was going to leave the city, but... I don't trust his word. I've done some investigating on my own time to try to find out where this Hector fellow is now. I haven't found anything so far, but bless my badge, I'm determined to keep looking. Yes, do. And please let us know if you find anything at all. Honestly, I don't know anyone else in the city well enough to even suspect them. I've only lived in Tesla Town for six months. I moved here for a job straight out of college. I tell you, it's as if the notes appeared by magic. The illusion of magic evaporates in the proper light. And you say the three notes were all the same? Yes, exactly the same. And you brought them here? I brought one of them. I thought since they contained the same message, one would be enough. 
It will suffice for now, but eventually I'll need to see all three. I'll also need to examine your apartment. The note, please. Clara reached into her purse, pulled out a small piece of folded blue paper, and handed it to Electron Jones. He looked it over, front and back, examining it slowly and meticulously. On the front, written in a shaky but legible style of archaic handwriting, were two simple sentences. Wake up, Clara. Your time has come. What do you make of this, October? I can barely read it. I was never proficient at this type of writing, and I rarely see it anymore. I remember my grandmother used it. Oh, I'm quite familiar with it. My family is a bit old-fashioned and still clings to such things. They consider good handwriting as a sign of good breeding. Oh, pardon me, no offense meant. None taken. Well, anyway, I imagine that whoever leaves the notes knows I would have no trouble reading them. Yes, I imagine so. But why would they threaten me three times, Mr. Jones? If they were right there in my bedroom as I slept and my time had come? I just don't understand it. Miss Bartholomew, would you object to us immediately accompanying you to your apartment? In order to answer your question, I need to see the setting of these mysterious goings-on. Oh, Mr. Jones, I was hoping you'd say that. I'm so afraid. I don't want to spend another night there. I can well imagine. Uh, October, would you bring our associate Classy, as she may be able to sniff out clues beyond our human senses? Of course. I'll pick her up at the groomers and meet you at the Wellington Arms. Lieutenant Doyle, you are, of course, welcome to join us. Thank you, Electron. But as you know, I mustn't spend any more official time on an unofficial case. Yes, of course. Miss Bartholomew, I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, uh, I, I like that. Clara Bartholomew led Electron Jones, October Hughes, and October's faithful colleague Classy through her small apartment. Electron spent several minutes in each room, examining the layout, the contents, the windows, and the doors. Classy sniffed about as well, seeming a bit bored, but paying particular attention to the kitchen pantry. She turned sad eyes to October and gave a small whine. Sorry, girl. There are no treats in there. And now all that remains to see is the sight of the intrusion and the mysterious messages. If you please, may we now see the bedroom? Of course, Mr. Jones. Come this way. Ah, a smallish room with little in the way of extraneous clutter. Excellent. A simple atmosphere simplifies the affair, don't you think? The well-to-do are always more problematic with their abundance of possessions. Don't mind him, Clara. It's fine. I understand his meaning. A bed, a dresser, a nightstand, a small desk and chair. Do you have the other two notes? Yes, Mr. Jones. They're here in the nightstand drawer. Ah, excellent. I see, as you indicated, that they are, for the most part, the same as the first note. A slight disparity in the location of the writing, a small ink smudge on one... The paper is the same, an interesting, barely visible floral design on the back. That detail may help us trace the source of the paper and the person who bought it. 
Oh, that won't be necessary, Mr. Jones. It's my paper. I use it for everything from shopping lists to birthday notes. I'm a bit old-fashioned, as I said. See? Here's a supply of it I keep in the desk drawer. Do you mean to tell me these notes were written on your own paper? He picked up the pen from the desk and scribbled on a sheet of paper. Your pen occasionally leaves a small smudge. <laughs> the messages were written with your own pen on your own paper. Yes, they were. My dear Miss Bartholomew, what manner of villain surreptitiously enters a bedroom to write a note of ill intent? Why would he wait until he is in your room with you sleeping mere feet away to pull out a piece of your own paper and write the note with your own pen? I don't know, Mr. Jones. Why would he? Electron opened the desk drawer and rummaged around until he removed a piece of blue paper with writing on it. He placed it on the desk beside one of the mysterious messages. He observed the left slanting writing on the mysterious message versus the right slanting words on the note from the drawer. Miss Bartholomew, Clara, I believe I can shed some much-needed light on this and quickly identify this note writer to your satisfaction. I'm afraid, though, that I must ask you to spend one more night in your apartment. Oh, Mr. Jones, please, I couldn't. I assure you, you are in no danger. But, but how could you know that? If Hector, or anyone, is coming into my bedroom... Again, I assure you, the note writer means you no harm. Believe me, Miss Bartholomew, you can trust Electron's assessment of the situation. I would never hesitate to place my life in his hands. And indeed, I have done so on more than one occasion. Actually, October, would you be so good as to spend the night with Miss Bartholomew? I don't believe I'm wrong in thinking that might help to put her mind at ease. Well, that would help, but... If it will bring you further peace, I promise to be nearby electronically throughout the night. I will give you a direct access channel to my penthouse so that you may call me in an instant. Not because it's necessary, but to ease your mind. Very well, Mr. Jones. I'll stay. Excellent. In the morning, if the two of you can come to my penthouse around, say, nine o'clock, I believe much will be made clear. I'll pick up some of my things and be back in a bit. The next morning, Electron Jones answered the doorbell to find October with her arm around a sobbing Clara Bartholomew. He led them into his living room, helping October guide the distressed young woman into a chair. October sat nearby and soothed her with gentle reassurances. Clara removed a small piece of blue paper from her purse and handed it to Electron. Oh, Mr. Jones, you were wrong. The intruder came into my bedroom last night and left this note. If I had awakened, I would surely have died. And Miss Hughes said she saw no one, though she spent the entire night on a mat at the foot of my bed. Yes, the note is the same as the others, as I expected. I assure you, Miss Bartholomew, I was not wrong. I said you were in no danger, and that is the truth. But I never said a note would not appear. In fact, I anticipated that it would... And here it is. Then why, Mr. Jones? If you expected another note, why did you have me stay the night? 
why put me through this exercise? What did it prove? This exercise, as you put it, hath allowed us to identify the writer of the notes. Then tell me his name. Was it Hector? Tell me his name, Mr. Jones, and how you were able to discover him since Miss Hughes saw nothing. Clara, I didn't say I saw nothing. I said I didn't see an intruder. Exactly. You see, Miss Bartholomew, I had discovered the perpetrator before I ever left your apartment yesterday. However, I knew that you would be loath to believe it. Therefore, I asked Miss Hughes to stand as a witness to whatever transpired. And I'm glad he did, Clara. At about two o'clock, I heard a noise, and I immediately switched on this low-light illuminator to observe your movements. What? Why didn't you tell me this earlier? I'm sorry, Clara. Electron asked me to wait until we were all together. And now, October, would you please tell Miss Bartholomew who the perpetrator is? Certainly. It was 2.07 a.m. when I heard the noise. I took note of the time as soon as I woke up. When I turned on my illuminator, Clara, you were clearly visible, sitting on the edge of the bed. You sat for several seconds, and then you stood up. I never got up. I slept soundly all night long. Please don't upset yourself, Miss Bartholomew. I assure you that October is absolutely trustworthy. All will be clear in time. Please, October, continue. All right. After you stood up, Clara, you walked over to the desk, sat down, and opened a drawer. You removed a piece of blue paper, picked up your pen with your left hand, and began to write. When you finished, you placed the pen on the desk, rose, walked to the nightstand, and put the slip of paper on it. You then climbed back into bed, lay down, and pulled the covers up over yourself. But I didn't do that. I didn't wake the entire night. And anyway, I write with my right hand. You are correct, Miss Bartholomew, that you were not awake. You were sleepwalking. You were under the control of your subconscious mind, which evidently is keen to tell you something. You have been writing the notes all along with your left hand, which is most associated with the subconscious. How can this be? And what can the message mean? Wake up, your time has come? What can that possibly mean? Miss Bartholomew, it is obvious that the notes were never meant to be threatening, but rather enlightening. I believe the message is meant in the sense of come out of your cocoon and shine in the light as you are meant to. Clara, listen to me. I know you are aware of my talents. I'm able to discern much of what people are thinking and feeling. And I can tell you this. Yes, there's a part of you that is afraid and confused and doesn't know what's going on. But there's also a part of you, and I can sense it very strongly, that does know and isn't afraid, and is in fact eager to bring to fruition something that is stirring inside of you. Believe me, Clara, I don't know what it is, but you do. You only need to face it and accept it. Clara placed her hand over her eyes and sat still for a long time. Electron rose and went to the kitchen, returning with a glass of water. He handed it to her, and she drank slowly. As she was placing the empty glass on the coffee table, the doorbell rang. Electron answered it to find Lieutenant Doyle standing in the hallway, holding his hat in his hands. Ah, oh, my good lieutenant, please come in. You have a pressing case in want of assistance, I presume? 
Um, no, I'm off-duty, actually. Oh, yes? I, uh, came by to see if you knew where Miss Bartholomew was. She's not at her apartment, you see. Yes, she's in here. I'm sure she'll be delighted to see you. Oh, Lieutenant Doyle, it's good to see you. Yes, I, I mean, thank you. How are you, Miss Bartholomew? I hardly know. Miss Hughes and Mr. Jones have just been telling me. Suddenly, Clara stopped talking. Her hands began to tremble, and her eyes widened slowly. The Levitrain. The Levitrain, it's crashed into the station. The Center City Station, it's crashed into the Center City Station. Electron, what is she talking about? There, there, Clara. That can't be. The station is in plain sight from here. Electron rose and went to the penthouse window. Doyle came to stand by his side. Tesla Town, the jewel of East America, lay before them. October took Clara's hand and helped her to the window. All is well, Clara. The Center City Station, as you can see, is unharmed. There has been no crash. I tell you, it has crashed. Oh, please, Mr. Jones, please listen to me. Electron tapped on a keypad near the window frame. The glass began to hum as Electron typed a command into the pad. In an instant, the glass magnified the view of the city so that it almost seemed as though they could reach out and touch the Levitrain as it approached the city. There's the Levitrain, right on time. Yes. In fact, that's the one my Uncle Jack, the vice governor, you know, is returning to town on. Wait, doesn't it seem to be coming in a bit fast? Yes. Yes, it should be slowing down now as it enters the city. In a flash, Electron grasped what was happening. He grabbed one of his tablets from the end table nearby and began to tap on it furiously. What's happening? Electron, what are you doing? If my skills don't desert me, hacking into the Levitrack mag coils, there may still be time. The four of them observed the unfolding scene from the penthouse window. They watched as the ten cars of the Levitrain quickly covered the distance from the outskirts of Tesla Town to the station a mere block away. The Levitrain was slowing down in jerks as Electron worked to reduce the magnetic force that moved it from station to station. Still, the group wondered if it was slowing enough to negotiate the curve of the track that led into the station. Through the magnified window, they saw waiting commuters jumping back away from the tracks as the train just made it around the curve and hurtled past the station to finally stop several car lengths beyond the concrete platform. After a short delay, the sound of people screaming and crying in shock reached them, giving the impression of a movie with the sound out of sync. Riders leaned out of the windows and cautiously opened the doors of the train, only to find that they were stranded several yards above the ground. People at the station were frantically using their comlinks to call the emergency services to the scene. Electron, October, Lieutenant Doyle, and Clara stood silent and still for some time. They watched as the rescue vehicles arrived to get passengers out of the train, and people dashed about, some running away from the station, some running toward it. After several minutes, Clara, who seemed almost in a trance, went to the nearest chair and sat down. She closed her eyes and put her head down, massaging her temples, as if she were in great pain. Finally, she raised her head and looked at Electron. I saw it, Mr. Jones. I saw it in my mind. I saw the Levitrain was crashing before it happened. How is that possible? Yes, evidently you foresaw it. 
Am I losing my mind? Well, uh, no, no, of course you're not losing your mind. You are far too... You are an intelligent, sensible woman. Uh, indeed, I assure you, you are quite sane. In fact, you are quite remarkable. You must realize that seeing the crash in your mind allowed us to mitigate the consequences. Although some passengers in the Levitrain may be injured from my inexpert magnet-manipulating techniques, it would have been far worse were it not for you. Miss Bartholomew, I believe you have been given a great gift. A, a gift? Whatever do you mean? Our fickle and often callous universe has smiled on you. You are familiar with the Antari supernova field? No? Well, no matter. The point is, recent events indicate that you are being affected in a way that allows you glimpses into the near future. Uh, please, if you have any more visions, contact one of us immediately. I am not convinced that this day's happenings were completely accidental. If they were not, then your clairvoyance may be indispensably useful. In the meantime, don't be afraid and remember that you have been, and I am not exaggerating, blessed. I don't know what to say. It's all so much right now. I, th I think I really just want to go home. If you will allow me, Miss Bartholomew, I will escort you home and see that you are undisturbed so that you may rest properly. If you'd like, I can have a patrolman continue to check up on you from time to time. Lieutenant Doyle, you are so kind. I would be happy to have you take me home, but I won't be needing a patrolman. Really, it's no trouble. Oh, I'm sure that's true. It's just that it's superfluous. What do you mean? Well, why would I need a patrolman when I could have a detective lieutenant? Oh, oh. oh leave them alone. Yes, indeed. I believe Miss Bartholomew is in good hands. Eh, hey, Lieutenant? Well, uh, yes, of course. Maybe you should swing by that new bistro first. Some tea and scones might be just the thing to cheer her up. Well, if you'd like to, Miss Bartholomew... Oh, please, call me Clara. And I think that might be very nice. Electron Jones and the Mysterious Message was written by Joe Potts. The cast in order of appearance was Albert Sines as the narrator, Gretel and Darkey as Clara Bartholomew, Dennis Jers as Electron Jones, Dana Rizzo as October Hughes, Michael Timmons as Detective Lieutenant Doyle, and Carolyn Jers as Classy. Our audio technicians were Jacob Gorsuch, Thomas Marincheck, and Albert Sines. The sound effects were created and recorded for We Are One Body Audio Theater by Jacob Gorsuch and Albert Sines. Additional sound effects provided by soundeffectsplus.com. The music was composed by Gretelyn Darkey, and the artwork was created by Dennis Jers and Albert Sines. Electron Jones and the Mysterious Message was directed by Gretelyn Darkey, Dennis Jers, and Dana Rizzo, and produced by Thomas Marincheck. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater. Oh, yes?